Chapter Nineteen of Ormond by Maria Edgeworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. After having lived so long in retirement, our young hero, when he was to go into company again, had many fears that his manners would appear rustic and unfashioned with all these apprehensions as to his manners there was mixed a large proportion of pride of character which tended rather to increase than to diminish his apparent timidity he dreaded that people would value him or think that he valued himself for his newly acquired fortune instead of his good qualities he feared that he should be flattered and he feared that he should like flattery in the midst of all these various and contradictory apprehensions he would perhaps have been awkward and miserable had he been introduced into society by one who had less knowledge of the world or less knowledge of the human heart than sir ulic o'shane possessed sir ulic treated him as if he had always lived in good company without presupposing any ignorance he at the same time took care to warn him of any etiquette or modern fashion so that no one should perceive the warning but themselves he neither offended ormond's pride by seeming to patronize or produce him nor did he let his timidity suffer from uncertainty or neglect ormond's fortune was never adverted to in any way that could hurt his desire to be valued for his own sake but he was made to feel that it was a part and a very agreeable part of his personal merit managed in this kind and skilful manner he became perfectly at ease and happy his spirits rose and he enjoyed everything with the warmth of youth and with the enthusiasm of his natural character the first evening that the earthly paradise of castle hermitage reopened upon his view he was presented to all the well-dressed well-bred belles black brown and fair for the first hour appeared to him all beautiful his guardian standing apart and seeming to listen to a castle secretary who was whispering to him of state affairs observed all that was passing contrary to his guardian's expectations however ormond was the next morning faithful to his resolution and did not appear among the angels at the breakfast-table at castle hermitage it won't last a good week said sir ulic to himself but that good week and the next it lasted harry's studies to be sure were sometimes interrupted by floating visions of the miss darrells dartfords and lardners he every now and then sung bits of their songs repeated their bon mots and from time to time laying down his book started up and practised quadrille steps to refresh himself and increase his attention his representations of all he saw and heard at castle hermitage and his frank and natural description of the impression that everything and everybody made upon him were amusing and interesting to his friends at vicarsdale it was not by satire that he amused them but by simplicity mixed with humour and good sense good sense sometimes half opening his eyes and humour describing what he saw with those eyes half open half shut pray what sort of people are the darrells and dartfords said mrs cambray oh delightful the girls especially sing like angels well the ladies i know are all angels with you at present that you have told us several times 
it's really true i believe at least as far as i can see but you know i have not had time to see farther than the outside yet the gentlemen however i suppose you have seen the inside of some of them certainly those who have anything inside of them dartford for instance well mr dartford he is the man sir ulick said was so clever very clever he is i suppose though i don't really recollect anything remarkable that i have heard him say but the wit must be in him and he lets out a good deal of his opinions of his opinion of himself a little too much but he is much admired and mr darrell what of him very fashionable but indeed all i know about him is that his dress is quite the thing and that he knows more about dishes and cooks than i could have conceived any man upon earth of his age could know but they say it's the fashion he is very fashionable i hear but is he conceited why i do not know his manner might appear a little conceited but in reality he must be wonderfully humble for he certainly values his horses far above himself and then he is quite content if his boot-tops are admired by the by there is a famous invaluable receipt he has for polishing those boot-tops which is to make quite another man of me if i don't forget to put him in mind about it and mr lardner oh a pleasant young man has so many good songs and good stories and is so good-natured in repeating them but i hope people won't make him repeat them too often for i can conceive one might be tired in time during the course of the first three weeks harry was three times in imminent danger of falling in love first with the beautiful and beautifully dressed miss darrell who danced sung played rode did everything charmingly and was universally admired she was remarkably good-humoured even when some of her companions were rather cross miss darrell reigned queen of the day and queen of the ball for three days and three nights unrivalled in our young hero's eyes but on the fourth night ormond chancing to praise the fine shape of one of her very dear friends miss darrell whispered she owes that fine shape to a finely padded corset oh i am clear of what i tell you she is my intimate friend from that moment ormond was cured of all desire to be the intimate friend of this fair lady the second peerless damsel whose praises he sounded to dr cambray between the fits of reading middleton's cicero was miss eliza darrell the youngest of the three sisters she was not yet come out though in the meantime allowed to appear at castle hermitage and she was so naive and so timid and so very bashful that sir ulick was forced always to bring her into the room leaning on his arm she could really hardly walk into a room and if anybody looked at her she was so much distressed and there were such pretty confusions and retreatings and such a manoeuvring to get to the side-table every day and sir ulick so terribly determined it should not be it was all naturally acted and by a young pretty actress ormond used only to the gross affectation of dora did not suspect that there was any affectation in the case 
he pitied her so much that sir ulic was certain love was in the next degree of this the young lady herself was still more secure and in her security she forgot some of her graceful timidity it happened that in standing up for country dances one night some dispute about precedency occurred miss eliza darrell was the honourable eliza darrell and some young lady who was not honourable in contempt defiance neglect or ignorance stood above her the timid eliza remonstrated in no very gentle voice and the colour came into her face the eloquent blood spoke too plainly she the gentle eliza pushed for her place and with her honourable elbows made way for herself for what will not even well-bred bells do in a crowd unfortunately well-bred bows are bound to support them ormond was on the point of being drawn into a quarrel with the partner of the offending party when sir ulic appearing in the midst and not seeming to know that anything was going wrong broke up the intended set of country dances by insisting upon it that the miss darrells had promised him a quadrille and that they must dance it then as there was but just time before supper harry who had seen how little his safety was in the eye of the gentle eliza in comparison with the most trifling point of her offended pride was determined in future not to expose himself to similar danger the next young lady who took his fancy was of course as unlike the last as possible she was one of the most remarkably pleasant sprightly clever most agreeable miss lardners she did not interest him much but she amused him exceedingly her sister had one day said to her anne you can't be pretty so you had better be odd and took the advice set up for being odd and succeeded she was a mimic a wit and very satirical and as long as the satire touched only those for whom he did not care ormond was extremely diverted he did not think it quite feminine or amiable but still it was entertaining there was also something flattering in being exempted from this general reprobation and ridicule miss lardner was intolerant of all insipid people flats as she called them how far ormond might have been drawn on by this laughing talking satirical flattering wit there is no saying but luckily they fell out one evening about old lady annalee miss lardner was not aware that ormond knew much less could she have conceived that he liked her ladyship miss lardner was mimicking her for the amusement of a set of young ladies who were standing round the fire after dinner when harry ormond came in he was not quite as much diverted as she expected mr ormond does not know the original the copy is lost upon him said miss lardner and happy it is for you continued she turning to him that you do not know her for lady annalee is as stiff and tiresome an original as ever was seen or heard of and the worst of it is she is an original without originality lady annalee 
cried ormond with surprise surely not the lady annalee i know there's but one that i know of heaven forbid that there were two but i beg your pardon mr ormond if she is a friend of yours i humbly beg your forgiveness i did not know your taste was so very good lady annalee is a fine old lady certainly vastly respectable and i so far agree with mr ormond that of the two paragons mother and daughter i prefer the mother paragons in their teens are insufferable patterns of perfection are good for nothing in society except to be torn to pieces miss lardner pursued this diversion of tearing them to pieces still flattering herself that her present wit and drollery would prevail with ormond as she had found it prevail with most people against an absent friend but ormond thought upon this occasion she showed more flippancy than wit and more ill-nature than humour he was shocked at the want of feeling and reverence for age with which she a young girl just entering into the world spoke of a person of lady annalee's years and high character in the heat of attack and in her eagerness to carry her point against the annalee's the young lady according to custom proceeded from sarcasm to scandal every ill-natured report she had ever heard against any of the family she now repeated with exaggeration and asseverations vehement in proportion to the weakness of proof she asserted that lady annalee with all her high character was very hard-hearted to some of her nearest family connections sweet lady millicent oh how barbarously she used her miss annalee too she attacked as a cold-blooded jilt if the truth must be told she had actually broken the heart of a young nobleman who was fool enough to be taken in by her sort of manner and the son the famous sir herbert annalee he was an absolute miser miss lardner declared that she knew from the best authority most shameful instances of his shabbiness the instances were stated but ormond could not believe these stories and what was more he began to doubt the good faith of the person by whom they were related he suspected that she uttered these slanders knowing them to be false miss lardner observing that ormond made no farther defence but now stood silent and with downcast eyes flattered herself that she had completely triumphed changing the subject she would have resumed with him her familiar playful tone but all chance of her ever triumphing over ormond's head or heart was now at an end so finished the third of his three weeks fancies such evanescent fancies would not have been worth mentioning but for the effect produced on his mind though they left scarcely any individual traces they made a general and useful impression they produced a permanent contempt for scandal that common vice of idle society he determined to guard against it cautiously himself and ever after when he saw a disposition to it in any woman however highly bred highly accomplished or highly gifted he considered her as a person of mean mind with whom he could never form any connection of friendship or love the lardners darrells dartfords 
vanished and new figures were to appear in the magic lantern at castle hermitage sir ulic thought a few preliminary observations necessary to his ward his opinion of ormond's capacity and steadiness had considerably diminished in consequence of his various mistakes of character and sudden changes of opinion for sir ulic with all his abilities did not discriminate between want of understanding and want of practice besides he did not see the whole he saw the outward boyish folly he did not see the inward manly sense he judged ormond by a false standard by comparison with the young men of the world of his own age he knew that none of these even of moderate capacity could have been three times in three weeks so near being taken in not one would have made the sort of blunders much less would any one having made them have acknowledged them as frankly as ormond did it was this imprudent candour which lowered him most in his guardian's estimation from not having lived in society harry was not aware of the signs and tokens of folly or wisdom by which the world judge the opinion of the bystanders had not habitual power over him while the worldly young men guarded themselves with circumspect self-love against every external appearance of folly harry was completely unguarded they lived cheaply upon borrowed wisdom he profited dearly but permanently by his own experience my dear boy said sir ulic are you aware that his excellency the lord lieutenant is coming to castle hermitage to-morrow yes sir so i heard you say replied harry what sort of a man is he man repeated sir ulic smiling in the first place he is a very great man and may be of great service to you how so sir i don't want anything from him now i have a good fortune of my own what can i want from any man or if i must not say man any great man my dear harry though a man's fortune is good it may be better for pushing it and worse may it not sir did not i hear you speaking last night of lord somebody who had been pushing his fortune all his life and died penniless true because he pushed ill if he had pushed well he would have got into a good place i thank heaven i can get that now without any pushing you can yes by my interest perhaps you mean no by my own money i mean bribery and corruption harry places are not in this country to be bought openly these are things one must not talk of and pray with your own money if you could what place upon earth would you purchase the only place in the world i should wish for sir would be a place in the country sir ulic was surprised and alarmed but said not a word that could betray his feelings a place of my own continued ormond a comfortable house and estate on which i could live independently and happily with some charming amiable woman darrell dartford lardner which said sir ulic with a sarcastic smile i am cured of these foolish fancies sir 
well there is another more dangerous might seize you against which i must warn you and i trust one word of advice you will not take amiss sir i am very much obliged to you how could i take advice from you as anything but a proof of friendship then my dear boy i must tell you in confidence what you will find out the first night you are in his company that his excellency drinks hard no danger of my following his example said harry thank you sir for the warning but i am sure enough of myself on this point because i have been tried and when i would not drink to please my own dear king corney there is not much danger of my drinking to please a lord lieutenant who after all is nothing to me after all said sir ulic but you are not come to after all yet you know nothing about his excellency yet nothing but what you have told me sir if he drinks hard i think he sets no very good example as a lord lieutenant of ireland what oft was thought perhaps but ne'er so bluntly expressed said sir ulic sir ulic was afterwards surprised to see the firmness with which his ward when in company with persons of the first rank and fashion resisted the combined force of example importunity and ridicule dr cambray was pleased but not surprised for he had seen in his young friend other instances of this adherence to whatever he had once been convinced was right resolution is a quality or power of mind totally independent of knowledge of the world the habit of self-control can be acquired by any individual in any situation ormond had practised and strengthened it even in the retirement of the black islands other and far more dangerous trials were now preparing for him but before we go on to these it may be expected that we should not pass over in silence the vice-regal visit and yet what can we say about it all that ormond could say was that he supposed it was a great honour but it was no great pleasure the mornings two out of five being rainy hung very heavily on hand in spite of the billiard-room fine weather riding shooting or boating killed time well enough till dinner and harry said he liked this part of the business exceedingly till he found that some great men were very cross if they did not shoot as many little birds as he did then came dinner the great point of relief and reunion and there had been late dinners and long dinners and great dinners fine plate good dishes and plenty of wine but a dearth of conversation the natural topics chained up by etiquette one half of the people at table were too prudent the other half too stupid to talk sir ulic talked away indeed but even he was not half so entertaining as usual because he was forced to bring down his wit and humour to court quality in short till the company had drunk a certain quantity of wine nothing was said worth repeating and afterwards nothing repeatable after the vice-regal raree show was over and the grand folk had been properly bowed into their carriages and had fairly driven away there was some diversion to be had 
people without yawning seemed to recover from a dead sleep the state of the atmosphere was changed there was a happy thaw the frozen words and bits and ends of conversations were repeated in delightful confusion the men of wit in revenge for their prudent silence were now happy and noisy beyond measure ormond was much entertained he had an opportunity of being not only amused but instructed by conversation for all the great dealers in information who had kept up their goods while there was no market now that there was a demand unpacked and brought them out in profusion there was such a rich supply and such a quick and happy intercourse of wit and knowledge as quite delighted almost dazzled his eyes but his eyes were strong he had a mind untainted with envy highly capable of emulation much was indeed beyond or above the reach of his present powers but nothing was beyond his generous admiration nothing above his future hopes of attainment the effect and more than the effect which sir ulic had foreseen was produced on ormond's mind by hearing the conversation of some of those who had distinguished themselves in political life he caught their spirit their ambition his wish was no longer merely to see the world but to distinguish himself in it his guardian saw the noble ambition rising in his mind oh at that instant how could he think of debasing it to servile purposes of working this great power only for paltry party ends End of chapter 19